George Kritikos here to talk to you about the Player Raider podcast. Along with co-host Ryan McDowell, we leverage the DLF player valuation tools and help inform you on your dynasty roster strategies. Whether you're joining a new startup, rebuilding a team, or maybe you're just not quite at contention level yet, we help you understand player values and how to really drive your team forward as dynasty owners. Tune in and enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. Thanks for joining us here at the Crossroads this week. Um, my name's Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. I'm here with Jake Anderson at Jake Anderson FF on Twitter, and we talk about one player every week from both a film and an and an, an, an <laughs> and a metrics perspective. <laughs> uh, and a, you're giving some outtakes right now, though. That's good. You're at the dynasty crossroads that film and analytics create. The dynasty crossroads that film and analytics create. Peter crunches numbers and Jake just grinds that. This week has been absolutely fantastic for us. For the second week in a row, Jake has just uh, lucked in, let's face it, to a great call. (laughs) He was all in on James Conner the week before. He was all in on Philip Lindsay last week. And both of them performed even better uh, after he's come in on them um, while talking about it on this podcast. So so he's very high on himself as well. In general, we will try to drag him down a little bit this week as we talk about someone else. Yeah, I'm feeling good. It just it's it's so funny. We spend all this time off season trying to predict what's going to happen, and every year it's just we get kind of slapped in the face. And and here we are, just trying to pick up the pieces again and realizing where we went wrong and where we went right. And you just gotta you gotta keep making trades. You gotta keep trying to get better. You know, I think it's it's so easy if you get off to a rough start in your fantasy and dynasty leagues that you get disinterested, but. For me, you just got to keep grinding and just see that um, things are going to change. You know, you, your players are going to bounce back. Your players are going to um, underperform from where they've started this far. Um, you know, the first couple of weeks are, are great kind of insight to how things may go, but things fluctuate through the season. So um, I'm just excited football is back. And honestly, last last week, if Russell Wilson didn't have just an awful game, I would have won in all eight of my dynasty leagues. Um, so I lost in one narrowly, the one that I co-owned with uh, our good buddy Bobby Koch because of Russell Wilson. So he's kind of a uh, – He's on my down and outs right now. But other than that, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm excited football's back. Everyone's a winner when Tyler Boyd is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. I think we all feel that way, obviously. Um, who are we talking about this week before we get too far into trash-talking each other? Sure. So we talked about James Conner two weeks ago. We talked about Philip Lindsay. Um, and this week we're going to talk about probably the most um, talked about running back that's especially on waivers in redraft leagues in Matt Breida San Francisco's own uh obviously Jarek McKinnon got hurt this preseason uh out for the year signed a decently big contract that running back was kind of up up for grabs they brought in Alfred Morris Alfred Morris has been pretty disappointing thus far and then all of a sudden Matt Breida jumps on the scene with a huge game last week 
over 130 yards, and now he is the NFL's leading rusher in yards, which is which just speaks volumes to how unprecedented this running back start has been across the league. Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk about Matt Breida. Yeah, and I think most people might assume or think we might talk about Patrick Mahomes since he is now the golden god of fantasy football and another player I'm uh, really excited about in 2018. But I think the obviously lots of people are talking about uh, Patrick Mahomes right now. And while there is lots of interesting to say, lots of interesting things to say about him, um, including how he's perfect and will never go wrong, mostly because of the nightmare that is the running back position and the number of people who were leaning in to the one-year trend of running backs being good um, last year. I need a laugh track because uh, I'm just trolling the <laughs> hell out of heavy running back drafters right now, like the one sitting across uh... from me. Um <laughs> Running back's just a more desperate position. Um, outside, even in a super flex or a two QB league, you're probably more likely desperately trying to find a running back than you are a quarterback. So that's why we chose to go with Matt Breeder, or that's the reason I just made up right now at least. Do you want me to lead off talking about him from a metric standpoint, or do you want to take what you've seen on film mm. and talk about how great Matt Breeder <laughs> is clearly going to be? Uh, why don't I start off from a, from a film standpoint? Uh, Matt Breida was an undrafted guy coming out of Georgia Southern. Funnily enough, that's exactly where Jarek McKinnon played his college ball in the same backfield there. Um, it's kind of similar players as far as, uh, you know, he's a little bit undersized. He's a, I think he's 5'10", a buck 90 and change. 5'9". Uh, okay, I thought he, I, we have him at 5'10 on DLF, but uh, he's... Yeah, last week you were looking for another dominant rusher at 190 pounds <laughs> under 5'10", and here he is. Here he is, you're, Jake. You must be excited about him after your boy Philip Lindsay now leads the Broncos. In I can tell that you really are trying to steer this, steer my story into a narrative street for all of your breed of shares. But, uh, yeah, I'm desperately trying to force you towards <laughs> the truth. Here. Yeah. All right, so getting back to, to Matt Breida. Matt Breida uh, tested out at his pro day. And I have those numbers here If for all, all you guys that like those athletic measurables. At his pro day, he had a 4.37 40-yard dash. He had a 42-inch vert. He had an 11-foot 2-inch broad. And he benched 225 23 times. So he was first in 40-yard dash. He was first in vertical. He was first in broad jump. And he was third in 225 reps. Uh, for all running backs last year so this is a guy that a lot of people were you know kind of keeping an eye on last year he did have some good games last year but just going back to his college tape and kind of how he performed last year and then obviously what we've seen this year he's he's a little bit of a conundrum because uh, Brita is a guy that does show good vision Uh, he follows his blockers well he does show patience when he needs to he hits soul when he needs to this guy is a player that is extremely good in space and when he has running lanes, I think he's fantastic on sweeps and pitches and tosses. Um, he can get to the corner really well. Uh, he's phenomenal in space. Uh, he's very agile. He can make people miss when he has room to make them miss. Um, he's not a great in-between-the-tackles runner. That's not really where he's comfortable. He's not extremely powerful either. Um, and the thing is why he kind of reminds me of Ronald Jones is 
they're kind of similar players where they're both really explosive. They're both really good in the open field. Uh, neither of them are super powerful. And they're both not known for being pass catchers. Uh, you know, obviously Ronald Jones didn't catch the ball at all in college. Matt Breida did not catch the ball much at all. I think he had 22 catches in three years at Georgia Southern. Um, he had the second most drops among running backs last year with six. Um, so from what I've seen on film, he's not extremely comfortable in that regard. And that's the problem with him and Ronald Jones is they're type of backs that if they were really good pass catchers, I'd be so much more excited about their outlook. But the fact that they're not, I think, limits their upside. So Brita is a guy that if the situation is good and the, and the you know blocking is really good, and he can get enough touches, I think he has a chance to really perform. But I have quite a bit of hesitation just because of his lack of receiving ability and that he is still sharing the load there with Alfred Morris. Okay, where, where to start with Matt Breida? Let's just start with the reception problem that you have. Uh, one thing I can tell you, or one benefit to being able to say that college running back production does not translate very evenly, or there is not a great trend between what they do in the NFL and what they do. Uh, doing college um like uh, the same way i talk about wide receivers at least is being able to fade those things when they're clearly not true and i think matt breeder's receptions in college is one of those things we can fade for example the most receptions he ever caught uh, for his college team was 8.9 percent of their overall receptions at georgia and that's pretty low and he never like I say that's the highest he ever had he went 5.1 percent and then 7.8 7.5% the next two years. So he was never much of a receiver at Georgia. And like I said, his total numbers topped out at, what, 21, 22 targets? 22 receptions, sorry. Um, do you know how many receptions he had in 2017, his first year as an NFL running back? Uh, you know what? I had those pulled up, if you give me one second. That's all right. I've got them. Oh, I was just perfect. wondering. Because I, w- I, w- I was setting you up to knock you down. Yeah, I appreciate Jake. that. You're making it. Make it it's very sweet no of you. Um, in 2017, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a joy to talk to. <laughs> Just wonderful. Yeah, he had 21 receptions in 2017 while operating as, at best, running back three on the team. So I think those receptions in college are kind of misleading. Now, he was terrible, <laughs> frankly, on those receptions. And as I think you're probably going to mention from having watched them a lot, he drops a lot of balls, right? But so does Mike Evans, and everyone loves Mike Evans unjustly. You know, the case of the drop, having a case of the drops can come and go. Um, And the fact that he's already surpassed his total receptions in the NFL compared to college says that that might have been a function of Georgia much more than it was what, uh, much more than it is a function of what Matt Breeder does on a football field or what he earns in terms of opportunity on a football field. Yeah, just, I mean, just to, to t- touch on the drops thing, I think that's a thing that we talk about with wide receivers a lot. And I think drops get overplayed for wide receivers. But the problem is, I don't agree with that with running backs because the passes that they're getting. Are so close to the yard of scrimmage. So, um, Matt Breida's eight out last year was under two yards. So, one point nine yards per pass attempt. So, as far as depth of target. So, when you have a fifty six percent catch rate, when your eight out is one point nine yards, I think that's extremely scary. His eight out so far this year is at five point eight, which is uh, actually pretty not far down the field. If I can look. 
quickly. It's actually uh, pretty similar to George Kittle, for example. He has four catches this year, <laughs> Peter. I'm working four hard catches. for Matt Breida here. I'm. I am. Come on now. You're grasping. <laughs> you're, you're grasping. Well, for I'm straws. not the only one. San Francisco's <laughs> grasping for straws too. The main thing I care about for a running back in the NFL is volume, pretty much, and Matt. Breeders' competition is Alfred Morris. And while Alfred Morris is solid and probably underrated, um, Matt Breeders' week two may help San Francisco look at him as a 23-year-old they've got on the roster, and they might want to see more from him. Um, On a team that's lost Goodwin, at least for one week, lost uh, Jarek McKinnon, um, is really trying to find itself on offense, I wouldn't think it's out of the question that they're going to give him some volume and see what he can do with more touches and like you say um in space at least in these certain situations where he's excelling on the field i don't necessarily think that it's it's reaching um i i just my my whole hang up in i think you're trying to justify a little bit um about his ability to be influential in the passing game i understand that they're aren't a whole lot of weapons in that offense but i think that really does limit his upside but again if he if his if his uh volume jumps up a decent amount then that's something to behold but one of my bigger issues is week one he faced minnesota who has a you know a good rush defense didn't really do a whole lot there and the thing is they've alfred morris and brita have got the same amount of carries the last two weeks um and then he faces the team that's given up the most rushing yards in the league in the Detroit Lions last week. And he has a monster run. He has a 66-yard run. Um, So for me, I think that's a little bit flawed. And then the next thing is this week. And I think you have to be – you have to make up your mind on these players and be very decisive if it's a a buy or sell period for these guys. Um, The Chiefs have have only surrendered – 15 rush attempts um, the last two games. So I don't think he's going to get volume there, and I still think he's going to be splitting carries. And um, I think the the Chiefs are going to get up really early in that game, and it's not going to be a good game script. So I think all this momentum that Breed is carrying after you know leading the league and rushing right now, it, this is the time to sell. Because I did see on DLF that someone did trade a 19 first for Breda uh, yesterday. So for me, this is the time to get out. All right, we're going to take a short break to get a message from our sponsors. Are you tired of getting crushed by the pros? DFS players and sport bettors, listen up. TheQuanEdge.com has the tools you need to play like a pro. With our lineup optimizer, injury tool, wide receiver cornerback matchups, and the head-to-head tool, you will be armed with everything you need to win. Make up to 150 lineups in seconds, see matchups to exploit, and compare players to help you make the right decisions you're on the fence about at thequanedge.com. You'll get exclusive access to industry experts, articles, podcasts, and the TQE community by participating in the premium membership chat. We at Dynasty Crossroads have a special deal for our loyal listeners. Using promo code CROSSROADS, you get $10 off your first month. Go to thequanedge.com to sign up today. Okay, and welcome back. Yeah, I, I, I think from a dynasty perspective, sure. Um, if you are not trying to win, sure. Um, but I don't know. If you're looking for an in-season running back right now, I think Matt Breeders is as good as it's turned up on the waiver wire. I, I would agree that Lindsay had more positive things from his college profile. 
but they're not dissimilar sizes. I'd say their situations are fairly similar as well. well. There's another running back who is capable on the depth chart. One's a veteran, one's also a rookie, but we expect them to be more solid as a pure rusher maybe, or more durable maybe as a pure rusher. And so I think the situations are similar. And even though we're higher on Lindsay's skill set and college production, Matt Breeders easily got the same opportunity in front of him. And probably, I think, with a smarter coaching staff, um, could even get better opportunity in terms of where they where they try and target him or when they try and run him. And so I don't know. I would want to, if you're interested, and I think most teams are right now, they need a running back two, if not a running back one. Um, Bre Breed is an interesting Philip Lindsay light. <laughs> they, they face the Chiefs. I just said that the Chiefs haven't given up anything uh, as far as volume in the passing game or the rushing game, and partially is because they've been up early on both the teams they face, and I think that's going to happen again. And the problem, the difference I see, and I think there are some correlations with Lindsay and Breda, especially from a situation standpoint. Um, the problem I have is I think Lindsay's a better interior rusher, and he's a far superior receiver. So for me, those are two trump cards that he does have on Brita, even though Brita might be in a better situation as far as coaching and maybe even have a little bit more opportunity. But I think the, the game scripts are, are not going to be good for this week. And I think if he flops this week, which I think is definitely in the range of outcomes, uh, I think he's going to lose all that hype that he just just had. The other thing you were doing was looking at the schedule, mm -hmm. who they face and who they haven't faced. And that's where a little bit of week two certainty you know we've seen two games now so we feel more confident than we did after like week one it's still a problem like we're still expecting a hell of a lot to change week to week especially after just two weeks of data and um, looking at kansas city his matchup this week they've given up 20.25 fantasy points to the wide receiver one in targets they've given up um 21.55 or 21 points to the running back one in targets, which was Matt Breeder last week for San Francisco, and um, through two weeks. Now, again, to put the caveat in here, I'm putting rose-colored glasses on because I think a lot of teams have... Kansas City has given up the six fewest rush yards this year, and the, the team that the 49ers are facing next week, which is the Los Angeles Chargers, have given up the 14th least rush yards. And I know it's a small sample, um, but I think that definitely plays into it. But then the thing is, the 49ers face the Cardinals in a couple weeks, in three weeks. And I think that's where um, I think Breida's going to, value is going to fall off. So if you are a believer in Breida, I think the better play would actually wait a couple weeks, let his steam fall. And then buy him before that Cardinals game because I think he's got an opportunity there. But even even so, um, it, let's say you own Breida. I think that after the Cardinals game might be a good um, selling opportunity because guess what? After that, he's got the Packers who have been a, a good rush defense. And then he's got the, the Rams, which are um, a really stingy rush defense. The Rams have given up the fifth, fifth least amount of rush yards. Um, Packers, I guess, are 18, so they're kind of middle of the road there. Um, but I just, I just don't see the the possibility of his his value rising over the next six weeks or so. So for me, buy buy high, 
um, is not the way to go here. I think he's a sell candidate for sure. Note that I get a lot more aggressive, and uh, especially in my trolling of Jake, when I have less to back it up on. I try and win a lot more on you know my rhetoric. <laughs> so it's pretty obvious I'm doing that. And I am. Breeder has less in his profile that I like. Um, I would be more interested in Lindsay. I've said that. Uh, and I'm going to keep saying that, it's not inconceivable to me that Matt Breeder might be the, one of the best running back pickups this year. Okay, you, you've gone on all this, gone over all the stuff I would if I was going to counter against him, and I even did it against myself there while talking about the schedule. But what you're doing right there is one of the reasons why I would might lean into this. And that's one of the reasons that you're using to be low on him. I trust even less than college production. You just predicted out there six games based on a two-game camp sample size of what defenses have done. Just to use the Los Angeles Chargers, who was in their upcoming schedule, as you listed out, they faced Kansas City and Buffalo. If you can't think of two wider, wider examples in terms of a range of outcomes in those two teams, what we know on their defense is trash. So the Chiefs have given up the, what was it, the six fewest rush yards, and they have faced... Melvin Gordon Chargers, Austin Eckler Chargers, um, and they face James Conner. So you think that they haven't, I think, I understand that it's a small sample and saying that we don't know anything about these defenses, but I knew, I do know about some of these fronts, these front sevens, the Los Angeles Rams. We know how stealthy their defensive line is. Um, I, I understand that it's a small sample, but I think some of it's predictive and some of it's just stuff that we expected um, so I, I, I just think we're more likely there. to know sooner um, rather than later if he's going to get those opportunities. And there's a, there's a like we projected Kansas as a tough defense, despite the fact they're giving up a lot of PPR points to the running back one in targets, which is Matt Breeder for the San Francisco 49ers right now. Um, but I'll discount it because they face, uh, like you said, Melvin Gordon and James Connor, And so those numbers are bound to be inflated. But then when you go down their schedule, just using this two-game sample and say in three weeks he might get a good matchup, I, I'm... Yeah, we know the Cardinals. We know the Cardinals' defense is trash. We don't. We really don't know about next week, let alone we know three that. weeks down the line with these two game samples for all. I of feel them. pretty comfortable about thinking that the Cardinals' defense is trash. They've given up a ton of rush attempts. They're in awful game scripts every game because their team is trash right now. So. I think I, I feel completely comfortable predicting this next six weeks and how they're going to play out. Yeah, I really don't. I, I think I think we're going to predict That's six fine. games out based on two games of what we've seen, where lots of them have faced two, two strong teams and some of them have faced two weak teams. And the Arizona Cardinals are a great example. I'm pretty confident that they're bad. But next week, if they actually turn it around and make some decent coaching decisions for once, please, God, make some decent coaching decisions. Well, I think that's even harder to predict. I mean, it could go either way. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's much more dangerous to predict that kind of turnaround than it is to predict how they've been the, the first two games. Why? Why do you think it's less likely a team doesn't stink? And I'm not saying they're going to explode on defense, but just not one of the worst in the league. Why would that be less likely than them continuing to be one of the worst defenses in the league, considering their matchup? Because our, it's not just their defense, it's their offense. I don't think that offense is going to just uh, turn around. That offense, I think, has had the least amount of offensive plays in the league. Well, so it's not just well, the defense, it's the offense and the game scripts that they're going to be putting Again, I think you know less about the defense and the offense that it feels. They've given up weeks. 75 I mean, rush attempts. Arizona's given up 75 rush attempts. The next closest team has given up 65. I mean, 
they haven't they haven't been the worst as far as giving up yardage, but the attempts have been. There. I know. I think if you're going to make a player based on I know what's going to happen in the next six weeks because of these defenses, because of what's happened in the first two weeks, you're much more likely I'm, to be wrong than saying hell things could change in any of those situations. I didn't. I see. I feel comfortable because listen, we have to make decisions here. Like I'm not saying it's predictive. It's a hundred percent. But listen, we have to make decisions here, and the Chiefs have faced two top running backs and haven't given up much yardage. But plenty of PPR. The Chargers. Yeah, but Breed is not a good pass catcher. That's but, the problem. He's had four catches, and everyone everyone okay, talks about... They, well, there's a disconnect there. He's saying he's great in space, but he won't be good if he gets the passes that he can catch. It, everyone <laughs> talks about how bad Jordan Jordan Howard was his you know the last two years. Jordan Howard two years ago had a 56% catch rate. With a higher A dot, so Breed is not a good pass catcher. Is can he catch some passes? Sure, but I mean, you've you've made the argument several times that if a guy doesn't catch balls in college, you don't trust him to catch balls at the NFL level. For wide receivers, yeah. For running backs, no. For you've talked about that. You've talked about that with Ronald Jones. That was one of your main arguments. Yeah, for why he wouldn't become yeah, a dominant pass catcher. Yeah, he's not going to be a but, dominant pass catcher. And I already made my excuse on that. <laughs> no, to be fair, you're accusing me of like changing what I'm saying. I literally started out by saying his college receiving yards seem to be a lie because of what he did in the NFL. If my, if Jones comes in and dominates the target share for uh, for um, <laughs> shit uh, for Tampa Bay, then I'm gonna say, okay, he's a better cast catcher. I said the same thing for Melvin Gordon. He's catching more passes in the NFL than he ever did in college, so I have to accept he's gonna be part of the passing game. I, I mean, I'm, what I'm saying is that could be true of Breeder as well because he's already done it. He's been more involved in passing the passing game than he ever was in college, so maybe we can lean into it. And I'm not suggesting I know he's going to be good. I'm suggesting the opposite. I'm suggesting we know less right now than we think we do. No, I think, and I think it's completely fair. And, and um, I think it's definitely in the range of outcomes that Brita does well. You know, I just, everything that I've been coming towards is just a little bit more negative context. And that's the way I'm rolling. Yeah, and that's kind of why. I think, mo I don't know. Those trades make it seem like the exact opposite. But I do think most people are going to look at Brita, see that he actually got two extra touches and went over 100 yards or whatever. See that 66-yard run and say, well, that's just that's just the one run. They're going to see that Alfred Morris still led the team in touches <laughs> and say, well, Matt Breida just had a big play again. And so I don't know who's getting the first for him. I mean, yeah, I don't know. In I some don't. leagues, you can go trade for Antonio Brown, <laughs> which should never happen. I don't think his value is where those trades were suggesting. I think his value is that everyone's looking to sell him. And I think... If the coaching staff can look at that and go, hey, if we give this guy touches where he's excelling, and if we think it's a good coaching staff, I've been out on that. I thought I'd be like leaning into a trend here. But if it's a good coaching staff, then they should be able to use players where they're good. Then he sh could get, and there's a lot of ifs and buts in here, but that's exactly what I'm doing. Here. Sure. I would much rather lean into that. And outside of those trades, I mean... How can, how can we value that? It's just, it's so easy to make the case that Matt Breeder just had a 66-yard run and that's it. And I think that's where people are going to go. And where I'm trying to tilt faster and harder in the opposite direction, <laughs> uh, I think that's the move right now. Okay, so what's um, the, if, if you think it's a little bit more of a buyer's market, then what are you buying for? 
That's a good question. Let's say um, let's say a receiver. Let's just throw out we talked about him earlier. Let's talk about Quincy Anunua. Would you trade Quincy Anunua for Matt Breida? Let's let's say you need some running back help. Uh yeah. Yeah, and again, this is why it's difficult to do because if it's my team then I've got another wide receiver to slot in there most more often than not. Um so yeah, I'd consider Quincy Anunua cuz I think that could change rapidly, right, with the New York Jets. I think he's going to be great this year. I like the player, but... That's another part of my hesitation is I don't see Breida being a high-volume guy this year, and I, don't, I certainly don't see him being a high-volume guy next year. So I think his his um, ceiling is limited this year, and I don't think he's going to be the guy there next year. Like I am trying to make a strong case, and I'm not saying I'm not running to an extreme. Like I say, I'm going to run to extreme until I start to disagree with myself and step back just a little bit. Because if I'm right, then you get the huge value swing. And if I'm wrong, hopefully I pulled back just enough I didn't lose enough. But in season, if, it, if some move like this doesn't work out, then you're kind of screwed. You, know, you can't win unless some move like this works out. No, and I, there there are some things that I do like about him. It's more about um, the things that I don't like about him, and maybe I'm maybe I'm overvaluing the things that I don't like about him um, because he is dynamic. He really is, um, and if he does get utilized right, and there, there are rushing lanes, he he really could. He does really have big upside. You know, like if if is there something you need to tell everyone about uh, about Matt Breida or about the things you're doing and the things they should check out or anything like no, that? No, I don't. I don't have anything going on. Okay, <laughs> so that's Jake. You can find him on Twitter. He actually normally has a great deal of stuff going on. You should check out his timeline. He's always posting interesting graphics. And the only thing I guess I had, uh, I have to announce is that I was just on a podcast. Um, I was just on a podcast, Locked On Fantasy 24-7, with Ethan Turner. Um, That's a shorter format podcast as well. He specialized mostly in injury and injury evaluation, so he's an interesting guy to check out anyway. His Twitter handle handle is at eturnerff underscore pt. Just check out their podcast handle, which is at ffb underscore pt. 247 a lot of underscores in the in the twitter universe jake we're we're missing out by not having underscores in our handles i think um no i think we're in the right for not having underscores hashtag no underscores (laughs) thanks for joining us hope you had fun at the crossroads if you disagree with us or want to hear us talk about different things or anything let us know at our twitter handle at ff dino crossroads and thanks for jake for joining me once again i'll see you next week Later. You're at the dynasty crossroads that film and analytics create. The dynasty crossroads that film and analytics create. Everyone can admit that our main problem in this podcast is you talking too much. Peter crunches numbers and Jake just grinds that tape. It's the Dynasty Crossroads where film is everything. I don't know. I don't I, I don't know where I am. The Dynasty Crossroads where numbers are the king. There may not be consensus. You're giving some outtakes. We'll give you everything. Film and an and an anal- <laughs>